Welcome to Raiders on the Record, the podcast featuring Hastings High School Athletics. I'm Athletic Director Trent Hansen. My colleague Tim Hanneberg and I work together to bring you the stories of Raiders sports. We are thrilled to share conversations with the athletes, coaches, and alumni that represent Raider Nation. Check back weekly and be sure to share this podcast with your friends in the Raiders Network. Today's episode features Aaron Diddy Oneman. Aaron is a 1997 graduate of Hastings High School and was a two-time All-State selection in both volleyball and basketball. During her time as a Raider, Aaron earned 15 varsity letters and was named All-Conference an incredible 13 times in volleyball, basketball, and golf. She finished her basketball career as the all-time leading scorer in school history, holding that position for over 15 years, and she currently is third on the list with 1,608 career points. Aaron's on a short list of Minnesota high school athletes to reach both the 1,000-point milestone in basketball and the 1,000-kill milestone in volleyball. Aaron qualified and competed in six different state tournaments as an individual and a team in all three of her sports, which included the only state volleyball team in school history in 1995 and the incredible state championship girls basketball team of 1996. Aaron was a finalist for Miss Basketball and went on to compete in both hoops and golf for North Dakota State University. This was a really fun conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Tell us about the schools that you were attending when you grew up and what was your grad year from Hastings High School? Yeah, so I had the pleasure of um, kindergarten through fourth grade attending a Pinecrest Elementary School which um, was just an amazing experience. Coralyn Mortensen was the principal at the time. And um, she was just one of the most genuinely, um, just very affectionate people, but also could really hold the kids accountable when she needed to. (laughs) And she was a dear friend of my mom's um, from working in the school district. So Pinecrest for kindergarten through fourth grade. And then for fifth grade, I was actually a part of the first graduating class from Krista McCullough Elementary. And um, that was just a real privilege to be a part of that school as well, having it be open the very first year. Um, And then being that first um, fifth grade class out of that school was a really exciting time, obviously for a sad reason, but it was a wonderful celebration of Krista McAuliffe's life and then her legacy and bravery, but then also it was just a great opportunity for Hastings to have a brand new elementary school and name it in her honor. Um, But I remember it was a big deal because we had color computer screens at Krista McAuliffe. That was huge. And then um, uh, Mr. Evenson was our principal, um, who I know many people remember as well as he would come out and play flag football with us at recess, he'd be the all-time, all-time uh, quarterback. And, um, and then went on to middle school. And then um, my high school, of course, was now the current middle school. Um, but yeah, and then graduated in 1997. There you go. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about like your family unit growing up, like siblings, parents, guardians, extended kind of, just what was that that internal support network like for you at home? Right. Um, my mom and dad um, were from Marshall, Minnesota and Delano, Minnesota, respectively. And my mom worked for the school district here in Hastings. And my dad did for the first, um, you know, good few years of my life as well. 
my mom was the district data coordinator, or at least that was the position that she had moved to by the time I was in high school. Um, so she was a really important part of the school district, um, running the scheduling um, for both classes, busing, she worked with all of the homeschooling students and families as well to make sure they were receiving the support from the school district that they needed. Um, and then my dad started out as a elementary phi ed teacher and high school phi ed teacher, and then also coached um, basketball and baseball for the Raiders for a good few years before he made a professional switch over into the sales world, um, where he retired for Norex um, in Prior Lake, um, gosh, about eight years ago now, and he retired as their CEO after starting as a salesman um, in 1985. So, um, Mom and dad um, stayed in Hastings. Dad had a heck of a commute to Prior Lake, but I wanted to be a Raider, so he obliged. Um, and um, I had my two sisters with me as well. My sister, Jaina, um, who was a 1988 graduate of Hastings High School. She was a basketball and volleyball player. Jaina went on to play volleyball at St. Mary's. And now um, she has been... Um, a microbiology professor at the University of St. Thomas. She is now an associate associate dean there as well. And she lives in South Minneapolis with her husband and young son. And then um, my sister Jean graduated in 91, also um, volleyball and basketball uh, participant and, and player. And then um, she went on to go to St. Cloud State. So she was nice and close to home to support me through my high school career in athletics. And then um, she lives in Chicago now. So we get to have some nice family vacays cool. to the heart of Chicago. She's just a few blocks in from Navy Pier. Yeah. So the boys, that's one of their favorite places to go is visit Aunt Jean. Sweet. And um, that was my core. That was my, my innermost network of people that helped shake me and shape me into the individual that I am today. Um, they've all been such important parts of my life. Interestingly enough, though, Jaina and Jean are both nine and six years older than me. So Jaina has always almost been kind of like a second mom to me, yeah. um, very nurturing, um, held me accountable on the athletic court. She's the first one to have comments for me after the games. Okay. Uh, well, excuse me, dad was first, but then after that, Jaina would have something to say. And then Jean, Jean as well, Jean and mom would always give me the big hug first. Um, mom would just say, you are my favorite player on the court tonight. Um, and after every game. And sometimes it drove me nuts, but now I realize how much that, that how important that consistency was to me. Yeah. And then um, Jean too, but then Jean would give me critique, a whole lot of love and a whole lot of accountability in my household growing up. Awesome. <laughs> when you think of your earliest like sports memories, not necessarily even organized sports, just, just playing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. was it, you know, something in the cul-de-sac? Was it watching your sisters play? Like, what do you kind of just remember as maybe those earliest memories of what sports actually were? Right. I'm going to do some name dropping here, Trent, <laughs> for no other reason than to make it very clear to anyone listening how influenced I was um, by the Hastings community growing up. Um, so my very earliest memories would have been running around in the high school gym while my dad was um, an assistant coach for the boys basketball team. Um, actually, he was the head coach for a while too. Um, one of the first names I ever remember watching kind of go up and down the court flying all over the place was a gentleman by the name of Craig Kilborn. Mm -hmm. And Craig, Craig went on to a nice career with ESPN and 
I still follow him on Instagram. He is, he's a hoot. He owes us a um, podcast, anyways, by the way. We were supposed to record one. That's summer, so when we come back to that one, I'll, I'll let you know what. If- All right. We've shared like two DMs over the last few years. So I will do what I can (laughs) to send Craig a message. Um, But yeah, watching Craig play, watching my dad coach. And then my dad also spent a few years um, assisting Mary Bartley coaching the girls basketball team. So, you know, that whole, if you see it, you can be it. Well, mine was Edie Boyer. Um, arguably, and in my opinion, the greatest female athlete to ever come out of Hastings. Um, and watching her compete and then not only compete, but to do it with what was technically a disability with, um, the loss of her hearing and watching her adapt. So it was, it was just interesting because I can remember even realizing, you know, at a young age that there's a lot more boys doing this than there are girls. But, you know, if you hang out and, and you know what you're doing, you can compete. Right. And I remember kind of watching Edie and going, wow, she can, you know, she competes kind of like, like the boy, she competes like I do. Like, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know she's a girl. She's just out there competing. And I got to watch Edie on the basketball court, but then also just to be influenced her when I, by her, when I get to go into practices and she was always so kind and so warm and um, didn't matter that she had a disability that maybe um, held her back from communicating in the way that she wanted to. She would still walk right up to me and start talking to me as if it was just, you know, an easy conversation. And that was um, a really important aspect because I think it was the first time I was really introduced to having a relationship with someone that, that had a disability of some sort. Um, and that's important because you start to realize that those disabilities are really turn into abilities in many ways. A lot of times, you know, that deficit can be what pushes us to to greatness because we have to work harder because we have this deficit that others don't. And so what what a lesson to be able to learn by watching Edie and um, probably not a huge coincidence that I followed in her footsteps by going to NDSU, but but, um, yeah, just just a great person to be influenced by. Another huge influence in my life was Vicki Davis. Um, Vicki, growing up, would bring me up to the University of Minnesota. She would um, bring me to women's gopher volleyball games. And then she would also bring me to um, women's basketball games. Our family were season ticket holders for the gophers for years, um, but it was for men's. And, you know, Vicki, I think, knew right away that I I had a fire in me that wanted to compete and wanted to be an athlete and she knew who my dad was and um, you know, what a, what a successful athlete he was. So, but she wanted to get me in front of the other girls. She wanted me to see that, yeah, there are other females doing this and you know, what a blessing for that too. So I'm, I'm, I'm seven years old now and I've already been influenced by (laughs) some of these amazing people, not to mention my dad golfing with Don Satcher every weekend. So I'd walk the course with them as they played. So I'd, um, I learned the game of golf, walking the Hastings country club with Don Satcher, who of course at the time was, um, the boys golf coach. Um, and he seems, I shouldn't say, of course, during my time from, you know, in that mid to late nineties. Um, so got to learn a lot about the game golf from him, you know, in the, in those young ages growing up again, when there weren't too many other little girls out on the golf course, Mm -hmm. but I'd go out and, you know, hit range balls and, 
um, and still be encouraged by these men who could see that there was talent there. So let's nurture it. It doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, it's talent. Let's, let's see what, what, what we can make happen. That's just a glimpse of some of the people that I was influenced by, um, you know, in those early stages. And then you get to the likes of, you know, middle school and so forth. I don't know if you want me to jump to that trend. Um, I don't want to go. That's okay. Well, maybe, maybe think about it this way. I mean, I, I love the phrase, if you can see it, you can be it, whether that's in athletics right. or anything else, being that exposure to what's possible. So then mm-hmm. um, how did it transfer into what you chose to do in, in terms of like, you know, did you sign up for a team? Did you just get out in the yard and play with the neighborhood kids? Was it a little bit of both? Like what, right. are, what are those earliest memories of you actually playing the game then yourself you know you've seen others in their environments when did it start becoming your thing right um yeah it really is that if you can see it you can be it um so I had the influences of some great athletes and watching them compete as I was growing up you know I talked about Edie Boyer another great athlete that I watched intently because my sister played with her my sister Jean was Melody Subzak um, who was an incredible volleyball player and, and, and a really good basketball player too. But um, volleyball was her love and she went on to play at Kentucky um, for college. But um, again, just seeing not only the level of talent, but the intensity of the competitiveness. Um, those women showed me that, or excuse me, I, I suppose young women at the time yeah. showed me that it was okay to not only compete physically, but it was also okay to put all your emotion into it. Mm-hmm. And that was really the only way I knew how to compete anyways. <laughs> so that was, that was a nice, um, um, you know, it was a nice opportunity for me to see that that, that was going to be okay. And that, that that could pay off and that, um, you know, you could have the people around you lift their level of play based on the emotion that you show and based on, you know, the fact that they can see how emotionally invested you are and then your teammates become emotionally invested as well. But growing up, you know, I'd be in the gym and I'd be out at halftime shooting at any game when I'd have the opportunity or as soon as the games would be over, my dad would chuck a ball to me and then I could go out and shoot. And I would shoot for an hour and a half. I'd shoot as long as I could until we had to leave the gym. And then we didn't have a gym, you know, we didn't have gym access growing up. So I was blessed enough to grow up next door to um, the Jim and Joe Johnson family um, and Rosemary Court. Yeah. A bunch of goofballs um, in that house. A bunch of goofballs, I tell you. Yeah. But um, I was the same. Well, I was their backyard though, right? Yeah. So we started out, the first one Jim put out was actually out in the cul-de-sac. Ah. So that was kind of nice because, you know, we had kind of an open area and then you would just shoot and then the ball would kind of just go into the neighbor's yard, which is a little bit of an uphill incline. So it would kind of roll back down too. Mm-hmm. I spent hours, I mean hours. And one of the best parts was that Jim and Joe's youngest, Mark, was a year younger than me. And so Mark and I grew up not only as friends, but, you know, sometimes it wasn't so friendly because we were constantly competing against each other. (laughs) I owe a lot of my athletic success to that Johnson family for putting up that hoop, but also for providing me with their youngest son as 
um, my main um, focus of competition for many years. So yeah, so we had the hoop out front that Jim put in. Then he went ahead and oh, I want to say it was right before we got into high school. He put a concrete slab in the backyard, which now you see them everywhere. Right. But at the time, unheard of. Yeah. But um, leave it to to Jim yeah. um, and his Engineer and his brilliance and his three M engineering mind. <laughs> he came up with this. Put a concrete slab in the backyard. I remember walking over, watching the guys pouring the concrete, going, "What's going on?" Mark's like, "We're putting in a hoop." And I'm like, "Well." And then, you know, it happened and we played on that all the time. Um, and we had great neighbors that cul-de-sac was the best. It was the Spinelli Moore family, the Duncan family. Then we had the Sedlachik family next door. Pete Sedlachik was another one who put a hoop in his driveway <clears throat> and let me use that over the years as well. Because, you know, God forbid Tom Diddy put one in, but I guess he knew he knew he had neighbors he could count on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've still never really asked him why he never did that. But I, I guess I didn't have to because we had Jim and Pete to save the day. But yeah, growing up in the cul-de-sac plane, um, the Spinelli Moores had a son, Trevor, as well. He would be out shooting hoops with us all the time. Our, um, my dad shot with me constantly. We'd work out anywhere from 16 to 90 minutes. And, um, it, you know, it was less, less cardio and much more fundamental. Dad was huge on the fundamentals. So we spent a lot of time on, um, you know, um, kind of the, the technical aspects of my shot, working on that muscle memory so that each time you make the shot, no matter what part of the game your body's doing the same thing. Um, so that was huge as well to be able to go and have that time in the gym with him. And then I had great friends. Um, Katie Ertal and I would meet um, anywhere around town. We'd play tennis. We'd meet up with a big group of kids um, and we'd play soccer. I spent a ton of time down at Pioneer Park shooting hoops. That was, you know, we didn't have a YMCA like the kids have access to now we were outside at the park right. shooting. Um, so we'd go down to Pioneer Park quite a bit. Just that was a nice central location for everybody to meet. Um, and there would always be pickup games going on down there. And that was really fun. Um, otherwise, down by where Katie Hertel lived, they had a park down by that area too. So we'd meet and shoot there. It was wherever you could find a place to play. Yep. And, um, and don't get me wrong. I did other things besides just... Yeah. playing sports as well but the cool thing was is it wasn't just basketball it was um you know I played tennis until seventh grade Katie and I Katie and I played each other in the Rivertown Days tennis tournament championship in sixth seventh and eighth grade that's fantastic so, yeah so before Katie and I got to be teammates we had to be fierce competitors in multiple sports but we just were like whatever put a tennis racket in our hand all right let's do it it was kind of, and I think for Katie too, it was just, if it was the competition, it was fun. Mm -hmm. So let's do it. But um, yeah, outside a lot and just, you had to get creative to figure out ways to get that workout in. Um, but then, it, you know, when you got there and you had the time to work out, you sure used it to the best of your ability because it wasn't always at your fingertips. Yeah. To we'll do it. I really appreciate you sharing a couple of things. One is the people and, um, the experiences that were so influential on you at those early stages. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that you're framing well is 
just what it was like growing up at the time. And we're not talking about the fifties here. You know what I mean? We're only going back no, one, right? one generation, but it is, it was very different. I mean, you're talking about this real organic, um, soccer, tennis, guys, girls, any age at the park in the yard. It's just so different than the way that, um, kids grow up learning and being exposed to most parts of sport today, where oftentimes their right. earliest exposure is highly organized. It's with an adult or adults in charge. You didn't have any of that. Right. And we'll transition. No. And talk, not any of that. I mean, you had, you know, opportunities, of course, for youth sports, but my point is that um, it was an era where that's, that's what sport was. Again, it was outside. It was with a, a variety of people and places. And I just, it's just so fun to listen to you talk about all those different uh, ways that you engaged and, and um, you're arguably one of the five most decorated athletes that have ever graduated from this high school, not female in particular, right? For people that are listening, we're not talking just females. Um, I may get the math wrong, so you can correct me or I'll make sure it's correct in the bio, but I think we're talking about like 15 varsity letters. I mean, you're going three varsity sports as early as seventh grade and a couple of them. We're talking um, volleyball in the fall, basketball in the winter, golf in the spring. Um, I love hearing that you had some soccer and some tennis and some, some other driveway stuff oh, on yeah. the way. Tell us a little bit about what, what that foundation was like then once you transferred into that world of organized high school sports, right? So as you start playing right. in eighth, ninth, 10th grade, what's the connection to that youth foundation in terms of the people or the places or those experiences? Kind of what impact did that have on you as a high school athlete, basically? You know, playing a wide variety of sports when I was younger, which was sometimes um, a necessity, right? Because I wanted to play. I wanted to go out. I wanted to be active. And if you couldn't find enough players to put together a basketball game, then you were walking down the street and you saw a football game. You said, well, I'll play that then instead. <laughs> um, it. It, was, it was really a necessity. I'd say the same thing from a boy, girl, or a talent perspective too. Didn't matter. You needed the bodies. So, yep. so you were not only um, out there competing, it was a cool experience too, because you were oftentimes um, by necessity, almost kind of a coach out there too. Anyone who knew what they were doing had to explain to the other kids what was going on so that they could play well. And the, even more importantly, so we had a chance to win. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Having so the game it, is one thing and then being able to win the game is the second thing, but you have to have both. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to have both. Um, so it was so fun. And I was so, you know, you don't even realize at the time how lucky you are, but you know, I guess I wouldn't have really cared if I was the only girl around, but as I got older and once like third, fourth grade came around, then, then Katie Hertel was around. She, she had moved towards our end of town. So it was kind of fun that I, then I had a girl around, but I'll never forget when she was, Jeff Oakman came up to me one day and he said, yeah, there's a girl moving here. She's going to come to Pinecrest next year. She's an even better athlete than you are. And I went, what? <laughs> and then I met her and I was like, crap, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, yeah, God. we spent a lot of years competing, yeah. but the amount of respect that you build for someone through that competition, I preach this to my kids all the time. Competitor, does not equal enemy. Love it. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. They're your competition. They are your opponent, but they are not your enemy. Enemies are for, you know, when yeah. there's, I don't want to say wars because yeah. sports is a war. Right. Let's be honest. Right, right. But 
the best athletes and the truest athletes are those that have spread themselves across so many different opportunities throughout sports and throughout the community that you no longer have the option to be enemies with your opponents because it's, you've been opponents now with everyone, right? And when you become then a friend with someone that you've competed against, and when you become a teammate with someone that you spent time competing against, it's like this whole nother level because there was already this level of respect established yeah. prior to when you developed the relationship. But one thing that I will say really helped me growing up and playing multiple sports, you know, prior to high school was just the different pressures involved in each sport. Okay. So you've got your team sports, which have always been my favorite, but then you've got your more individual sport, individual sports too, like, you know, your tennis or you've got your, I never did swimming, but awesome swimming in Hastings as well um or golf where um you're you're taking that turn to experience what it's like when you have teammates but those teammates aren't going to affect your individual outcome if that makes sense so in basketball the performance of my teammates affects how I do in the outcome of the game win or lose um you know, as far as, you know, in a tennis game or in my golf match, yes, my score would affect the overall team score, but the overall team score didn't affect my individual score, if that makes sense. So it was a whole different level of pressure on the individual and golf was never my favorite. The team sports were always my favorite because I love that aspect of the team unity, the bonding, the camaraderie. Um, but the, pressure that you learn to deal with in those situations of like a more individual sport or gosh, even if you're a ba- in baseball and you're a pitcher on a pitching mound, yeah. that pressure, it's really hard to duplicate that um, within a single sport. But you'll notice that when you experience that pressure in one sport, that experience carries over into the other sports as well. And I got to see that, you know, firsthand throughout high school on many occasions. But by the time I did get into high school, I had already had a lot of that um, experience under my belt as far as not necessarily in organized high school sport fashion, but, um, you know, competing when, when pride was on the line and competing when you wanted to beat, you know, your friends or you um, wanted to get in that one last game, you know, one last W before you had to go in for lunch or dinner. Um, so I think that there was a lot of carryover in that aspect and it, 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 it undoubtedly helped, you know, lead me to success in the high school area as well. And, um, had some amazing coaches in middle school as well. Dennis Crosby was our middle school traveling basketball coach um, his son's Chad. And I know Craig was closer to my age. Craig was a great basketball player and I know he played football too. Um, but yeah, no daughters, no nieces, no family. Just out of the goodness of his heart and the love of the game of the basketball I said, sure. I'll coach, I'll coach some seventh and eighth grade girls in traveling basketball. So he came and coached us. And then Alyssa Hawk, who was a senior when I was a freshman or excuse me, a senior when I was an eighth grader, another huge sports influence for me. Alyssa was a great basketball player and um, played up in Midgey State in college and was just an amazing influence on me and was the first one to ever walk up to me in open gym and say, have you ever heard of AEU basketball? And I was in seventh, going into eighth grade. 
I said, no, what's that? She's like, well, there's this program North Harden and you need to be on it. You need to be in it. You need to be a part of it. And so somehow she, Alyssa got the information to my parents. Alyssa had two older hats, two older sisters, Heather and Sarah. Heather graduated with my sister, Jaina. Sarah graduated with my sister, Jean. And they were athletes in volleyball and basketball as well. And then, so I knew Alyssa because of our family connection. And then sure enough, by that summer after eighth grade, it was my first year playing AAU. And I had the pleasure of playing for the best, still, I believe the best AAU program in the state, if not the nation for North Tartan. Um, And so that was kind of my start, um, you know, kind of getting projected into into high school. And then as you alluded to, yeah, I was a 13-time varsity athlete. I was a 13-time all-conference athlete. So when I was in seventh grade, that was my first um, opportunity to play varsity a varsity sport. I was on the varsity golf team. Um, Mr. Schultz and Miss Bartley were the coaches at the time, and they were just amazing to give me this opportunity to play. And it was a sport that I had grown up playing. Um, I got my first set of clubs, I think, from Santa in third grade. It was like oh, an iron, a wood, and a putter. And um, yeah, really enjoyed it. And so that was my first opportunity to play golf. Um, to play at the varsity level. And that was with the golf team when I was in seventh grade. And then as an eighth grader, um, qualified for my first state golf tournament. Um, And that was uh, just an an awesome experience. Again, you know, um, getting to play and experience my first state tournament um, and then to experience in, in a sport where it was, you know, really all that pressure was falling on me. And boy, did I tank. (laughs) <laughs> I played awful Trent I was terrible and I mean it was the first time I had I don't know if it was just kind of intimidating but I remember walking the 18 holes on the first day and just being exhausted my dad was watching he was like are you okay and I was just like I don't know and I really think it was the first time that I really like cracked under pressure I think I, I, think I shot like a 112 the first day something just awful and kind of went home and I remember my dad it was usually pretty tough on me even he was kind of nice like (laughs) geez what what just happened there like and I mean I was okay emotionally but I just couldn't put anything together and so then I went back the next day and I think I shot like a 90 so much better um something you know the coaches could be a little more proud of and Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be so embarrassed that was printed in the newspaper, but, um, but yeah, that was kind of my first experience there of, of dealing with that pressure. And then, yeah, like literally being, gosh, an eighth grader. So I was 12 years old, I think at the time, um, being like, wow, they're going to print that score in the paper and I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. at 12 years old you know having that be a thought and then thinking well we're gonna fix this (laughs) so then you go to work right you go to work so that this isn't gonna happen again so then um yeah golf was was great individual state tournament as an eighth grader missed the state tournament by one stroke as a ninth grader Uh so had the had the horrible state tournament appearance and and showing in eighth grade turn around missed it by a stroke in ninth grade Okay. Um, and then 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, 
we qualified, I qualified as an individual, but then we also qualified as a team. Awesome. So then 10th, 11th, and 12th grade went as a team. So those and then, uh, experiences in eighth and ninth didn't define you, right? I mean, there's an opportunity to learn there, right? And we can process those experiences a lot of different ways, but it sounds like it didn't back into that proverbial corner that maybe, uh, maybe inspired you a little bit differently, but sometimes that, that failing or that difficulty or that struggle um, can not only make things on the back end even more rewarding, but it sometimes can be a little bit of a launching pad into a different experience. Did you feel some of that in, in golf at least? One, 100%. Okay. Sometimes the biggest, well, oftentimes the biggest motivator is defeat. And, um, that's, that's certainly what kept me going. Golf was never my, my, my basketball or my board, Mm -hmm. like that. It was always, you know, in that third spot, but I still wanted to be really good at it. I still wanted to be as good as I could be. Um, and it wasn't going to get the time and effort that basketball and volleyball did but it still got a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was also a sport that, you know, I could go out and do with my family. My mom and my dad both played. So, so that was great, but defeat oftentimes brings out the motivation that we need to actually bring us to that next level. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, had I gone and done well at the state tournament and well would have been a 90 and a 90, not great, not even good. But well, yeah. well enough for an eighth grader. Yeah. But would that have got me to get out to the driving range every day that summer? Would that have convinced me to mow the grass a little bit shorter to somehow replicate a putting green in any way that I could in the back corner of my cars, in the back corner of our yard, so mm-hmm. that I could try to improve my putting, which never improved, by the way. Um, <laughs> Didn't cut it short but, enough. God dang it. Um, but no, I mean, um, yeah, it was the, the work that I put in was a product of that heartbreak of that disappointment of, of really feeling that embarrassment that I just blew it. I blew it big and everybody's going to know, or everybody who cares is going to (laughs) know. So it was really that trajectory. I think our biggest lessons come and loss, you know? In victory, yes, we'll go back and we'll look and we'll see what we did well, yeah. what worked. Mm-hmm. But rarely are we looking at wins going, what could we have done better? Because we won, right? right? It's those losses where we can go back and kind of pull apart those performances and actually identify, you know, the deficits and what we need to improve on so that mm-hmm. next time we do win. So and one, then, more, one more on golf before we transition. Yeah. You think of those 10th, 11th, and 12th years where you've got not only the individual, but the team qualifying and all that, that success. Is there, a, is there a moment or a round or a shot or a, or a tournament that maybe sticks out above the rest as maybe just most memorable for you for any kind of reason? But right. there's a lot to pull from there. So it might not be even a fair question, but I'll try to throw these at you. No. But when you think of golf, is there something that sticks out from those years that really is a lightning rod for you? 100%. And, and it all comes back to team with me, Trent. I love okay. being on teams. Mm-hmm. I still love being on teams. I love family because it's a team. I love, you know, it's just when you've got, you know, these other people in your corners and you're working together to figure out everyone's strengths and how you put those strengths together the best to project the team to victory. That's my favorite. And um, 
10th grade was that first year that we qualified for the state tournament as a team. And um, it was exciting um, for many reasons, but um, my teammates at the time, one of them in particular was the incomparable Leslie Miller, who was the center on our basketball team. Sure. Miss Finesse, Miss Finesse. She had the, the greatest shooting touch. And let me tell you, it, it carried over onto the golf course. She was a great golfer. And I'm sure she still is if Leslie still plays. But um, we had, you know, a fun team. Missy Welch was also on the team. Um, we, we, um, uh, Emily Wallen, Jesse Minder, who were two girls in my um, class who were dear, dear friends of mine. Jesse Minder and I grew up um, as neighbors in backyards and Jesse and I are still dear friends to this day and everybody knows and loves Jim and Jeannie. <laughs> Mr. Minder had, right. had him as an economics teacher as well and then of course their youngest James who I would babysit and rough up in the neighborhood every once in a while but um, yeah Jesse Minder and then Emily Wallen who was the daughter of our blessed late um, pastor at St. Philip's, um, Phil Mullen, they moved to town in 10th grade. Well, my mom and pastor Phil Mullen had gone to college together at, um, at Augsburg in Minneapolis. So I had met Emily off and on through our childhood and now here they moved to town. And um, 10th grade was the first year that we, that Emily and I got to be teammates as well. Um, so, and then we go ahead and we qualify for the state tournament. So it was a really, really special deal because of the teammates that were with me for the ride. And it was so fun. And Miss Bartley and Mr. Schultz were just such supportive coaches. And um, I, I have no doubt it was frustrating for them at time because I'm sure they were like, geez, Aaron, if you would put the time in the golf that you do into basketball and volleyball, we could get you out on that LPGA <laughs> tour because I could hit the ball a ton, but it just wasn't as much of a love sure. as basketball and volleyball. And thankfully for me, you know, I had coaches that understood that and, and supported and loved me anyways, yeah. but um, it was, it was just great. And, and yeah, that first state tournament getting to go up to bunker Hills, Yep. Felt like a really big deal. And, yeah. and, you know, having gone in eighth grade, but by myself yep. and then now going in 10th grade and I'm going with my whole team. It's one of the gifts was, of sports, right? The community aspect and community can mean a lot of different things, but the way you're describing it too, is that, that, that internal dynamic with the six, seven, eight of you, you know, however that's yes. yeah, what a difference it made. That's pretty cool. Well, and it was the fun, but it was also, you know, the support. You know, if I can say it, at the, the, the older I get, the more I realize that it's really our success in life or our ability to handle difficult situations in life, I should say, is really up to the support system that we have around us. Yep. Um, I've seen a lot of people go through some really difficult things in life, and they've had amazing support systems around them and even have had, in some instances, a really strong faith that they could fall back on. And that faith provided them with the support that they needed. Um, in 10th grade and, 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 and always being with a team and I had that emotional support as well. Yeah. Um, if I tanked like I did in eighth grade at the state tournament, I then was able to um, go to my teammates and get a hug, get a pat on the back and, oh, geez, I had a tough day too, or you'll get them tomorrow. 
Um, and that difference between those two experiences was 100% because I had the support yeah. um, of my team. Um, so it made it a lot more fun and it just made it feel safer too to go yeah. out there and to put myself out there because I knew I had people that were going to be there for me if it didn't go the way I wanted yeah. to. No, you framed it well. So let's take a second on, on the, um, the other two sports, which we could probably do a singular recording on. each. So let's talk volleyball for a second and just, just give us kind of a encapsulated, you know, uh, what was that journey like? And then really same question for you that I asked about, about golf in the midst of all those experiences and all those years and all those teammates, is there a, is there a game? Is there a tournament? Is there a teammate? Is there a moment that might kind of rise above the rest? That's just most memorable or significant uh, for you. So just tell us a little bit about, about your volleyball experience for the Raiders. Yeah. So I was in eighth grade and I was practicing with the eighth grade volleyball team and Bitsy Lean was my coach, the eighth grade volleyball coach. And, um, Oh, it's fun to be saying all these names. Uh, I just yeah. love it. Bitsy Lean. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and so, yeah, she was the coach and um, the varsity coach at the time was um, Coach Dollum, Teresa Dollum. And um, coach came over to practice one day and I guess someone had told her to just come over and, and take a look at me and watch me just playing with the eighth graders. And she came in. I didn't even know she was there in and out. They didn't even, I was oblivious to it, which is the right way to do it. Right. And so, but then it was later on either that day or the next day that my dad said, Hey, we got a call and they want you to go, you know, practice with the ninth grade volleyball team. And I was like, cool. Oh my gosh. Like I couldn't believe it. And it worked out well that my mom worked at the middle school um, or what was the middle school oh. at the time. Um, so she was upstairs in the, in the district data office or the district office. She worked very closely with superintendent LaCroix, mm -hmm. um, and then others in that back office area. So she was already at the middle school. So then she could drive me over to the high school to get me there in time for practice every day. So a short jaunt, but mom was busy. Huh? So bless her for doing that. But she'd run me over to the high school. And then I started working out with the ninth grade volleyball team. And the ninth grade volleyball team's coach was um, an amazing woman by the name of June Corteau. And June Corteau, if you knew her, you loved her. The best, one of the most um, emotionally genuine people you'll ever learn. I learned as much from Coach Corteau about handling my emotions um, than I did even about volleyball. And I learned so much about volleyball and sure. basketball from her. Sure. So um, Coach Dahlman and Coach Corteau were varsity and ninth grade coaches. Um, of course, now, and, and I'll say Dahlman and Corteau, that's what we always said. Um, but the, now they've been married for, geez, over 20 plus years. Yep. They're both retired, but they both were NCAA um, women's basketball referees. Um, they both refereed in the WNBA just they're in hall of fames all over the country. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I think coach Cortola is in the national basketball hall of fame, just an unbelievable couple and, and a huge influence in my life, which all started with volleyball and there's still big influences in my life today, but it all started with volleyball and them deciding that they would give me a chance to come up and see what I could do. Yeah. And so then I started working out with the ninth grade team and then, um, did that for about three weeks. Um, maybe four. And then they said, you know what, we're, we're going to move you up to the JV. So um, again, very exciting. Um, but I won't lie. 
I was, um, you know, I was a 13 year old girl, um, or maybe I was 12, I was 12. Um, and, um, you know, I was trying to make friends, mm-hmm. um, trying to be my competitive self without ticking off anyone who was older. Oh. And, um, but also, you know, trying to make friends along the way. And so, um, kind of that year I learned I could make people laugh. And if I can make people laugh, then they wouldn't be so mad when I made them mad on the court. So I started utilizing a sense of humor to kind of work my way in there. And, you know, it's tough for people to be mad at you when they're laughing at you or when you're making them laugh. So, um, yeah, ended up playing JV that year and using my sense of humor to kind of work my way in as this little nerdy eighth grader. I wasn't upsetting you know the juniors that I was playing with and had a blast that was uh, a really important time um because that was my first opportunity to play with the girls then that I would play with the following year when I was a freshman so it was Amy Ring was the setter who would then be the starting setter for the varsity the following year so that was a really important year for me to Amy and I to get used to each other and you know Amy is this um, she's just a workhorse, right? She had great hands, just um, had great footwork so that she could always get underneath the ball in time to make a good set. Um, and then she's got this little eighth grader who's, you know, just kind of spazzy running around. And, and I knew the game of volleyball, but I hadn't really become a student of it yet. So it was really just me working off of pure athleticism. Um and not really understanding, you know, a scheme. What is that, you know, or um, anything that was really going on. So Amy had to do a lot of, you know, teaching me along the way as well. And then it was um, Rochelle Nielsen was the JV coach at the time. So Miss Nielsen um, was kind of my first um, after Corteau was was kind of my introduction um, to volleyball as well. And she taught me a lot. In fact, if I'm thinking about it now, I'm thinking maybe it was Rochelle that told Coach Down to come over and take a look. Because that summer before, they were doing the volleyball camp for Hastings High School. And my dad always said, hey, whenever there's a camp going around, just go sit in the gym. They'll eventually invite you to come out and participate. <laughs> And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm really young. He's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They'll invite you to, especially if they see like you look interested. So I walk into the gym and, and then sure enough, Rochelle Nielsen, I was seventh grade. So I was probably 11 years old now. Come out here. It looks like, you know what you're doing. Cause I was just kind of hitting the ball against the wall, sure. but more so she could tell I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So bless her. She's like, get out here. And so for the next like three days, I got to participate in this high school volleyball camp as a seventh grader and everyone was super nice. And, and then, you know, again, that paid off just hanging out in the gym and being there at the right time or making your right time. So then we move on to freshman year. And now this is my first time playing varsity. And now I've spent time over the summer going to camps. I started to learn a little bit more. I'm becoming more of a student of the game. I am lucky because my dad was a volleyball player as well. He played for the beer stube. And um, yeah, I think, or maybe it was Luscious was volleyball. Um, anyways, he had a group of guys that he played with, Tom Dahlberg, who they called Thunder because it sounded like thunder whenever he hit the ball. So Mr. Dahlberg, um, oh gosh, there was a whole, Jake Moore was the setter. And I grew up watching those guys. I'd go into the gym and watch them play volleyball. 
So you had guys like that that were influencing me as well. So now I'm in high school. I've had a chance to learn a little bit more about the game. And now it's the, you know, fall of my freshman year. No one has any idea who I am. No one has any idea, you know, what, who's coming up as the young talent in the conference. And then, you know, we go. And I was, I was really good. I was. And I was so aggressive. And I, I figured out one person told me the heart, you know, the strength that you hit the ball, all is coming from your core, all from that pike, that, that yep. core part in your stomach, like yep. the last part you'd think it would be. No, it's got to come from my arms, right? No, 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 no. You just, you know, squeeze and get into that position and you're going to put the ball down. So now I've learned how to do that. Now, I, you know, I've, I've developed some different talents and then ended up being all conference, freshman, sophomore, um, junior, senior season. So yep. all conference, all through high school there. And then actually that ninth grade year, we made it to the region championships. We lost a heartbreaker in five games um, or five sets to Roseville. Okay. And that was when Amy Ring was a senior. Kelly Junker was our great outside hitter. Christine Sabitis. Um, you had me and Emily Gruden in the middle. And, um, oh, figuring out my right side hitter is going to drive me crazy. I know Cindy <laughs> Thomas was one of them. Yeah. Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. But anyways, we had a great team. Yeah. Um, and, um, yes, Jody Bisco. Jody Dibble was later right side, but Jody Bisco. And um, we just had a great team. We went into that region championship and then lost yeah. a heartbreaker. But um, that was a really fun year. And I, you know, it was, it was a time where we realized like, wow, we could not only be good, we could be great. Um, so then moved into sophomore year was a great year. And then junior year was our outstanding year. And it was, you know, interesting. My junior year in sports, that was 1995, 96 mm -hmm. was just a banner year mm -hmm. um, for sports across the board. But I'll bring up again that that spring was the first state tournament. Spring of my sophomore year was that first team state tournament that I had played in. And um, it was that first experience. And then I had also had that state tournament experience in eighth grade where I'd really just kind of blown it. Mm -hmm. And so um, junior year, we, we won the region tournament and we made it to state. And that's still the only year Hastings ever has for volleyball. Because mm -hmm. um, we're always in great regions and there's just right. crazy amounts of talent. Yep. But that junior year, um, and, and I will say too, um, the summer of my sophomore year was the first year that I was introduced to JL volleyball. Okay. So I had, I had been playing North Tartan AU basketball for two years. Now I was asked to come and play um, for the premier JL volleyball team at the time, Northern Lights, mm -hmm. um, who was um, coached by a gentleman by the name of um, Doug Bergman. Um, who went on to start M1 and who is a legend in girls volleyball in Minnesota. And he just said, Hey, come play. Mm -hmm. And Dennis Amundsen was another gentleman um, who is a volleyball legend in Minnesota. His nickname is Ami. And he has spent time coaching at the university of Minnesota. He's been at Mankato. He's at St. Thomas now, I believe assisting. Um, but he was the other coach then that helped out there. And ironically enough, our family had known Ami for years because he and my dad worked the scoreboard together at the Metrodome for twins baseball games. There you go. Full circle. So Ami yeah. finds out, and we actually played Hardy in my 
sophomore year and he was the coach of Harding at the time. So he said, let's get this girl in and let's get her, let's get her, a, let's make her a student of the game and see how far she could take this. Yeah. So that summer after sophomore year, then I go, I learn schemes. I learn so much. I'm playing with the best talent in the state. I was, my teammate was Wiz Bachman who went on to play at Stanford and who is now Wiz McCutcheon. She's married to Hugh, the mm -hmm. head coach of the U of M. Yeah. Um, you know, the talent was unbelievable. And I, I wasn't nearly as good as the other girls, but I was a quick learner. So they kept me around and, and I, it was so fun. And so then junior year now, I've got that under my belt. And so now we qualify for the state tournament in volleyball. And now I'm ready to go. And I'm going, I am not doing what I did in golf. <laughs> I'm going to go and I am going to bring it. And I'm going to be so nervous, but that's okay. I've done it before. I've handled yep. the nerves before. Um, and now I get to do it in front of a crowd, which is way better. You know, I, on the golf course, it's quiet on the tee. Uh -huh. In the gym, it was just loud and super fun. And we had great fans. Mm -hmm. So um, that was fun. So, yeah, we made it to the, it's played at the St. Paul Civic Center, which does that even exist anymore? Uh, I don't think. Well, it's what They've the Excel, the Excel Center is now for the yeah, kids the listening. That's what, yeah. The kids, yes, the kids, <laughs> the young kids. So yeah. yeah, we played at the Civic Center and unfortunately we went 0-2 at the state tournament. We played um, Owatonna in the opening round. We dropped three games to them. They were so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. They had a girl that played middle blocker for them. Her name was Krista Bird. She went on and played basketball at Wisconsin, which was very good. And um, so we dropped three games to them there. And then in our next game, we actually dropped, um, we lost in five. Um, Five sets to Bloomington Jefferson, whose coach at the time was Doug Bergman. And oh. so I was playing against, you know, playing against the man who had taught me everything he knew about the game. And um, so our team, you know, didn't do as well as we had hoped. But, you know, the, the moral victory was there because, you know, we had made it, we had qualified. And then, you know, when we really looked at it, we, we weren't the best team there. We weren't. And so we dropped two, but we played well. We played hard. And, um, individually, um, I played very well, um, had 27 kills in the game against Bloomington and Jefferson alone, and, um, was able to earn a, a spot onto the all tournament team, which, which really meant a lot. Um, the individual honors never meant as much to me as the team ones. Um, and I was raised so that they wouldn't mean as much as the team ones, um, very intentionally, but that was, that was really cool because if we couldn't win as a team, to be able to achieve some sort of recognition was, was really, um, really meant a lot. Yeah. And that was, I had grown up watching, you know, the state tournaments and specifically watching the state basketball tournament because it was on TV. I knew all about the first bank, all tournament team. Oh yeah. First bank at the time. That's right. And I knew all about that. And so um, when my um, coach came and told me I'd made it, I, I was very emotional. Yeah. very emotional. Um, that was kind of that first like tip of the hat um, on a statewide level where right. they were like, yeah, well, it's emotional because really there's a lot underneath that, right? When you think of the journey, the pathway, all the influences that you've talked about, it all culminates in things like that. It's never necessarily it a does. singular game or, or singular tournament. It's everything that kind of pours into it for sure. So that's a, and it's, I don't think it's anything that it I to apologize for, right? That it's not right. the external validation. It's really about what it's kind of, it's who you've become in the process, which is being affirmed, which I think is the fascinating part about it. That affirmation that you're doing it right. Yeah. 
Um, and that affirmation that, um, you know, it, it's really up to you what you want to do the time, you know, if you put your time and you put your effort into it, you're going to see results. And yeah. as long as you're willing to put that time and effort in, you're going to continue to see those results. And when it stops being fun, then it's time to stop putting that time and effort in and maybe putting it into something else. Right. But, um, that, that process was huge. And, and I will say too, it was that summer after my sophomore year of high school was when I really decided, you know, I, I want to play at the next level. Okay. I don't know if I want it to be volleyball or basketball, but I know I want to. So that was that first summer that I did both AAU okay. and JO volleyball okay. at the same time. Okay. And, um, it was, it was really hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you couldn't have told me no. If you, you know, my parents were always like, should we have let you do all that? Cause I, I ended up having to have my right shoulder reconstructed when I was 20 okay. hitting the ball so many that. times, no kidding. but, um, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, just rotator cuff needed to have that okay. fixed, um, my sophomore year of college. Um, but, um, you could not, you know, if they would have said, you know, we can't let you do jails and AAU, you've got to pick one. Mm-hmm. I would have been crushed. Sure. If you would have told me you can't play three sports in high school, yeah. you've got to pick one. I would have been crushed because I didn't know which was my favorite. Yeah. And my favorite, <laughs> because I was so competitive, success to me was winning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just for me, right? Sure. Like that sure. was success because that was also what happened with the team Mm -hmm. success for me wasn't scoring 20 points in a game if we had less points than the other team on the scoreboard at the end that's a failure to me that then i didn't do enough for the team to win but you know the w for me was the success and to me every practice every tournament traveling around the country i missed like our uh, you know i missed a lot of things with friends Mm -hmm. um uh you know, didn't, never got to do a spring break trip in high school. Never. Although if I, my parents wouldn't have let me anyways, but <laughs> even if I wouldn't have had sports, but you know, you miss out on a lot of stuff too, but it was all because I wanted to be moving in that direction to where I was going to be able to have the most success. And that I was going to be able to have the most success with my teammates. And, um, and so all of it was worth it because then you'd get to see that on the other side. And geez, how blessed was I to even have that opportunity? You know, my sophomore year when I started doing AAU and JOs, I didn't have my license. Mm-hmm. My mom drove me all around the Twin Cities to the shed in Burnsville for volleyball. And then my AAU coach, we practice often in Woodbury. Mm-hmm. There were days that I had both AAU and JO practice. There was a couple of days where I had a golf tournament. My mom picked me up. We went to jail practice, left jail practice, and we went to AAU practice. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't uncommon for me. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. And you couldn't tell me to slow down. You right. couldn't. And if you would have, it wouldn't have been pretty for anyone. Well, there's, there's <laughs> a couple things there. I mean, there's a very much a self-awareness, right, about who you are, um, uh, kind of how you're wired, some of that, that nature. But then the... Um, you know, the nurture is the opportunity to be a part of it, right? And that there's a price to be paid for anything in life, right? Whether that's in a career or a, or a relationship or, a, or certainly in sports and uh, people are willing to pay different prices, right? For their goals and dreams. That's just kind of, and there's a lot of things that vary into that, but I mean, you, 
you can't not do those things. There's going to be some trade-offs, right? The lack of a spring break, right. this, but that's, that's all about what it is. So all that being said, you've painted a, a real vivid picture for golf and volleyball. Let's talk about basketball for a minute, right? Which is for the casual fan is probably the thing that they may remember the most because you had that pinnacle experience in the 95, 96 uh, winter season. But uh, again, when you think of that basketball experience at the high school for you, who are the people or maybe what are the moments that stick out most and kind of what, what resonates with you to this day is, as, uh, again, most memorable, most significant, kind of what sticks out to you when you think about that journey? Because it certainly was an exciting one. Right, it was. So that 95-96 season was just unbelievable. And it was, it was all kind of written in the stars. And I, as I had you know, alluded, I had had some of that state tournament experience in golf, then went on to the fall of 95 and was able to gain that state tournament experience in volleyball. And that was with my incredible, incredible teammates. Rachel Reuter was setting Molly Weber. Um, geez, God, we had so Jody Dibble, um, Katie Larson. Um, I'm going to forget other people too, but I bring those names up because eight out of the 15 girls on that volleyball team were on the basketball team. There you go. <laughs> so we had a little experience under our belt going into the 95 state turn or in the 96 state tournament for basketball because we had just gone for volleyball and we hadn't done very well, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we really wanted an opportunity to turn that around and, and we were able to do that. And, and it just so happened that eight of those girls came, you know, directly from that volleyball team to then go over to the winning the state championship in basketball. I'm jumping ahead here. It's okay. Um, so basketball for me was my last varsity sport. Um, uh, it came when I was a freshman. Um, I had the opportunity to play. M- Melissa Young was our coach that year. She was only at Hastings for one year um, before, of course, the great Nikki Scholl came um, to coach the next three years. Um, but we had a, a great season. Ninth grade was fun. Much like volleyball, I was an unknown. So that was the one year. And the one time that I got to come in and teams weren't building defenses to shut me down. Right. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I was basically playing our center when I was a freshman. Okay. So I, I, it was, uh, it was the blast from the standpoint of that. It was really physical and I was prepared for that because the summer of eighth grade was the first year that I played AAU for North Tartan. So I spent that summer you know, playing against other eighth graders across the country, but getting an idea of what that physicality was going to be like at the varsity level. And so that really kind of catapulted me to success my freshman year because, you know, the talent in AAU is just so crazy that a lot of times um, you're playing against other eighth graders, but it's basically varsity talent that you're playing against. Um, Just a little bit different from a size standpoint, eighth grader, to um seniors but then by the time I was a freshman I was pretty much done growing so I was 5'11 six feet in the program there you go Tom Diddy says Tom Diddy says you don't play basketball barefoot (laughs) so (laughs) take your height with your with your with your basketball shoes on so I was six feet in the program um but um yeah it was it was just a blast it was I had you know a couple of years of varsity golf experience under the belt, which was great. But as far as team varsity experience, I had gotten a little bit in eighth grade 
they had moved me up just for regions as an eighth grader to play with the varsity team. I didn't play at all, but just was there and was a part of it. Got that experience. So cool. Provided some comedic relief when I could. That's right. And then, and then um, as a freshman, then, you know, was able to come in and just feel a lot more comfortable. And I had just had a hugely successful freshman volleyball debut where I was all conference and um, we had made it to the region championship. So we were bringing in the fans and that was kind of people's first glimpse at, whoa, who is this Erin Diddy girl? She is really intense, (laughs) but it seems like a lot of fun and man, she can play, she can play. And so um, then, then for varsity basketball, I just had a little more confidence under my belt. I was a little bit more comfortable and um, came out that freshman year and led the conference in the scoring. And again, I think it was, you know, a little bit easier because I wasn't on anyone's radar yet. Mm-hmm. I did not lead the conference in scoring my sophomore year. We'll just say that. Yeah. Um, but then other teammates stepped it up and did. But I'll remember this from, I was a freshman and my dad told me, you know, he always said, do you want to, you know, do you want to be an athlete or do you want to be a basketball player? Do you want to be and, I, and he was always just challenging me to keep my options open, to do it all as long as you could. You yeah. know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe you tear your ACL and then your only option for a college scholarship is golf. Yeah. And he's keep your options open. You know, don't pigeonhole yourself before you know, you know, and before I even really knew my true potential. Sure. So, um, and he also said to me, keep this in mind. And this is how he reminded me that the team was always the most important than the whole. And he would always do it because he knew how important it was to me that I wanted to be known as a great athlete. And he said, the greatest athletes put entire teams on their shoulders and march them all to victory. Mm-hmm. And that has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you have great individual, individual athletes. Great, great. But who lifts up the intensity of those around them? Who makes everyone else on the floor play better or who, you know, who will put that team, who will put themselves on the line and take the big shot or make the big hit knowing full well, there's a good chance you'll miss Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. knowing. And then if you do, it's on you, but you're saying, screw it. I'll do it. I'll do it for you guys. And I, and that's, you know, that's what you did. And, and then now junior year, and now we've got the likes of Katie Ertel. We've got Rachel Ruder. We've got Leslie Miller. We've got Katie Larson. So we've got Molly Weber as a reserve. We've got Bessie Talfus as a reserve. So we've got this, this, this whole big group. And then, of course, the great Kenny Augustine and our amazing uh-huh. coaching staff of Nikki Shaw, Pete Zach, Gary Burr, mm-hmm. just an unbelievable cohesive group. Um, Danny Mace would keep our stats. And then you just think of that cohesive group and it's just no coincidence that we did something magical. Mm -hmm. We had known each other our entire lives. Mm -hmm. We had not played, we had not played together our entire lives. Some of them I had spent a good majority of my life competing against. Sure. Um, But at this point now we're juniors. We've all become friends. And we just, we would, we would do anything for each other. I'm telling you, we would do anything for each other. And if you go back and you watch any of those games, you can see it. Yeah. You can see it. Um, 
Um, I was known for being a very intense competitor Mm -hmm. and to, to a fault at times. I would never compare my talent to Michael Jordan. But watching the last dance, my leadership on the court was a lot like him. Like Like he would be brought to tears sometimes because he felt so bad about how he would act sometimes. Mm -hmm. He was never like an all out jerk, but he was so raw and so brutally honest. Mm -hmm. And that was me. And it was at times could be very difficult for my teammates. Again, I think that's why I, you know, developed a great sense of humor. I was almost like making up for how intense I was on the court. The minute we get off, it was like Jekyll and Hyde. Like I would just be wanting to make everyone laugh to kind of make up for the intensity. But at the same time, now we've been together for so long that the intensity really isn't held against me anymore. They understand now. A, it's just how I'm built. Mm-hmm. And it this is this is who I am. This and they've been around me long enough to understand that. But B, by this point, they realize that I actually want to win for them just as much, maybe even a little more than I want to win for myself at this point. Right. Yeah. And that that came to fortitude at the very end of the state championship game. And I don't know, I don't know if I've ever told Katie this. But every time I watch it, tell a story. Let's do it. Yeah. So we're at the very end. We're going into the going into the um, last quarter. Jeez, Louise, I'm getting a little emotional. So real quick to clarify, so you're talking. So this is the state championship game, right? State championship game. You're playing Osseo, who was at least in the public eye an overwhelming favorite in the game. Um, Just so we kind of know the context of what we're talking about. So. Four Absolutely. quarters in basketball at the time. We didn't have two halves like we do now. So I'm just oh kind of helping, yes. helping you set the stage a little bit. So with all that being said, walk us through it. What's the, what's the memory? Yeah, it's, um, it's the state championship game where if we're lucky, we're going to, you know, only lose by double digits, but no one really gave us a chance at winning that game. In fact, it was the governor of Minnesota at the time. Arnie Carlson had gone in the paper that morning and just had said that it was really a shame that the state championship had been decided the night before when Osseo and Rochester Mayo played Um, and that they needed to seed the tournament going forward because it was just really tragic that the semifinal game determined the state champion. Well, I mean, in retrospect, he had a point, right? But we're sitting there reading this going, wait, we're playing the state championship game tonight. So, I mean, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? Everyone else thought we were going to get killed, but we're like, hey, we're playing some great basketball. And so um, we went, we had come home the night before so everyone could sleep in their bed at home that night, went to the high school gym, had a nice shoot around. And then it was Pete Zach that read the article to us after the game. and, And it was someone, someone said, I don't know, we should write Governor Carlson a letter. And then Pete Zach said, no, we should just go out and win. <laughs> and we were all like, yeah. <laughs> so um, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty cool. We, um, we actually, for that game, um, took a coach bus up to the, up to Williams arena. Um, Tom and Margaret Kniff had driven us to every volleyball and basketball game that season and the two seasons prior but they, they were understanding that we got to take that nice coach bus up there. And then um, they still came up in the, in the yellow bus too. They brought the equipment up, I believe. And then we got to the game and 
before the game, the coaches played a snippet of the locker room scene um, of Gene Hackman talking to his players in the movie Hoosiers right before they go out on the court to do the unthinkable. And that's what our coaches played for us in the dark room. And then Gene Hackman says, I love you guys. And then the lights go on and it's game time. And he said, I love you guys. The lights came on and we ran out onto that court and the rest is history. We were that first quarter. We got down battled back, had the game tied by halftime. It was only 25 to 25, not a very high scoring game. Definitely some nerves, but there was great defense by both teams being played and outstanding rebounding by both teams. So we weren't, neither team was getting the second shots that they normally did. And Osteo's center was six foot four. Our biggest girl was six foot <laughs> with her shoes on. right I did air quotes there yep. six foot with her yep. shoes on and Leslie Miller was a good six foot Leslie had a little bit on me yeah um but then you know Katie um Larson was about 5'10 yep. but Katie was a leaper yep. but anyways we got past halftime and in the third quarter we found ourselves down nine points mm-hmm. and it was late in the third quarter and um with about one minute and 15 seconds left we went on an 11-0 run that was capped off by Bessie Talifus hitting an NBA length three pointer. Mm-hmm. First three pointer she had attempted the entire state tournament. She drained it. And she was a great shooter, still one of the best free throw shooters I've ever seen. But Bessie took the shot when she had it. They left her open and she made them pay for it. So we go into the fourth quarter, we're up by two points. And it is rocking. There's 9,000 people in Williams Arena. It is so loud. No one was expecting this to be a game. Dick Bramer's doing the play-by-play. Mm-hmm. It's still fun to run into Dick. He'll wave at me or my dad because he remembers that game. Oh, yeah. And then Janet Carvinen um, was doing the color, and we got into the fourth quarter, and we just stuck with them. We kept going. We weren't giving it up. We were such a blue-collar team, and that made us really fun to watch. And we had to be because we were smaller than everyone, but we would out-rebound teams. Mm-hmm. that were much bigger than us um anyways it got down to that fourth quarter we are up by one point and something happens where they end up there's less than a minute to go like 50 seconds left in the game and they call a double dribble on katie or Tom. it wasn't <laughs> I've, I've watched that play so many times it wasn't the ball got hit out of her hand sure Anyways, we, we turn the ball over and Katie is in like shock and it's like, what? And I'm usually one when someone, you know, something happens. I'm like, come on, you know? And I went right up to her and I was like, no big deal. Let's go. We went to the bench and that's not like me to say no big deal because <laughs> it was a really big deal. Yeah. But first of all, A, I knew she didn't double dribble. I was right there. And second of all, there was no emphasis I wanted on that play because if we lost, I wanted no emphasis on that play because I did not want Katie feeling that that play had any, you know, bearing in that loss. And I tell you what, from that point on in my head, after that turnover, I said, I will die before we lose this game because I know Katie will blame herself. And I will die before I let this curl 
in any way, shape, or form think this because it, 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 a, it wasn't her fault. B, it never comes down to one play. Right. Any real athlete knows that. But there's no way you would have been able to tell her that. Right. And, and likely if I would have missed one of the free throws that I ended up you know, making. And at that point, I think, no, I hadn't hit the free throw yet. Or I had hit the free throw that put aside by one. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I remember very vividly turning from and at that point yes I still wanted to win for my team but at that point it was it was all about Katie and um and then and it worked yeah (laughs) maybe that's why we won I stopped tapping to different different motivations at different times absolutely and I would have I would have steamrolled anyone to Mm -hmm. do it it's just it wasn't going to happen and then you know the other story of that too Trent kind of cool I always had a an amazing relationship with my, my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is the greatest woman I'll ever know. And my dad is just an awesome guy and raised a daughter in a time when it wasn't super popular for dads to be out working out with the girls all the time. Or, sure. But um, we spent a lot of time together in the gym and he didn't mind that I was a girl. He just, you know, knew that I liked to compete and he facilitated that. But growing up, I always heard about his heartbreak games and his senior year playing for Delano high school. They played in the region semifinals and the region finals at Williams arena. Okay. And um, that was when there was only one class. Mm-hmm. So they won the semifinal game. Dad hit a shot with like a minute left in the game that ended up getting, giving them the lead for good. And then the state or not the state, but the, the region final game came again at Williams Arena, Delano High School, I think he had a class of like 40 kids. They played Bloomington Jefferson. So like kind of real life pleasures, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And so they're playing Bloomington Jefferson at Williams Arena. Anyways, it came down to it. Game winning shot. My dad missed it. And he spent his whole life like having nightmares uh-huh. about this shot that he missed. And um I think that's why he had my buns in the gym every Sunday. So he's like, when Aaron gets a chance to hit the game winner, she'll hit it. Hopefully. (laughs) So anyways, that, you know, did have a nine points in that fourth quarter against Osseo that really pushed us through there. Um, Again, no one scores nine points without four other players on the floor, rebounding, passing, press breaking. Katie just made it pointless to press us. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, was able to, to hit the game winning free throws on that yep. game winning baseline shot that put us ahead for good. And I ran over to my dad on the sidelines after he had spent the year, you know, my whole life telling me about the nightmare of that game and how he still had dreams about it. And the first thing he said to me when he squeezed me, I was like, we did it. And he was, he was emotional. And he just said, I will never have my nightmare again. There you go. Ever. He's like, you just released me from my nightmare. And he was like, I would have missed that shot every day of my life if it knew I was going to get to watch you make one on the same floor. Mm -hmm. So the lessons there too, sometimes the opportunities, you know, that, that we may see as, you know, failures or defeat, they actually become victories. It's just at a much later time, just at a much later time. But how cool for me, how cool no, for no. me to be able to A, play where he played. Yeah. B, I grew up going to watch the Gophers in Williams Arena my whole life. 
yep. and then to win the win the state championship on that floor. And it was the last year of the two class system as well. Oh, sure. So it was the last yeah. year of just A and double A. Yep. Um, so that's a lot of teams to come out on top from. And we just had the best support system. And I talked about Tom and Margaret Kniff driving the bus earlier. Well, Tom Regan, excuse me, Tom Regan had um, provided us with that coach bus from the Hastings Bus Company to make us feel like celebrities going up. And we had it for that whole time we were up in the cities. Um, but then after we won the state championship, we went out to get on the bus. And then we saw Tom and Margaret on, in the yellow limousine and the yellow school bus. And Pete and Zach kind of looked over at us and we looked at him and we just got off the coach bus and we went over and we got on the yellow school bus and we drove Roger back to cool Hastings. Yep. We drove back to Hastings with Tom and Margaret and I can't claim it was my idea, but the minute someone brought it up we were like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, of course we're going to ride back with them. And we left all of our equipment, all of our bags and all of our <laughs> stinky, sweaty gear on the coach bus. Perfect. <laughs> and, and we drove home with Tom and Margaret and I know Pat didn't mind at all. That's I think so he was cool. he was pretty dang proud of us for that. Heck but yes. Tom and Margaret, bless them both. They were the best. They were really proud to see us go from, you know, not having as much success in the state volleyball tournament to the ultimate success in the state yeah. basketball tournament. Yeah. So, um, you know, made for a made for a challenging senior year. Boy, yeah. it was one thing as a it was one thing as a as a sophomore to come back and compete after people watched you in your conference freshman year. It was very difficult coming back and competing as a senior after the whole state watched you win a state championship on TV. So now everybody's best games are going to be against the Raiders. That's right. Um, we were good enough where not all teams could just focus on me defensively. They had to focus on other te- other players too. That's why we were so good, but yep. it was a lot tougher senior year. It yep. was um, after having so much success junior year, but that's the way it goes. Right. Um, but nothing, nothing could take away that junior year and that experience. And boy, just being a teammate has just made me a better person. I'm a better, I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better community member. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been taught from such a long age that the, you know, the whole is always the most important aspect you know, than just the individual. And, um, I feel really lucky for that. And I mean, you talk about someone who's been molded by her community. That would definitely be me. (laughs) Yeah. And I hear that from the the names I've spoken about today too, how much Hastings has meant to me. And I get back whenever I can. I don't have family there anymore. I have some family, I have a couple cousins there, but my parents aren't in town anymore, but I still get back every chance I can. And I still have yet to see a better home football field than Todd Field and McNamara Stadium. Got Thank that you right. very much. And you've been around. That's right. So I've been all over the country. Seen a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we try to keep it that and way. And we've still got the best. That's we've right. We've still got the best. Well, you uh, have, and I still I'm, say we notice. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. I it's am shared, always. It's a shared hallowed ground there. That's right. Man. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I got two couple things I want to ask you to, to close. You've, you've done a great job in the last five to 10 minutes in particular. I always like asking, you know, what, you know, how those sports experiences impact your life t- 
today. You've articulated that, you know, talk about the significant people or influences that have boosted you up or kind of what the community meant to you. You've articulated that, which is like, you, you know, you were ready for them before I even asked them, which is great. Um, let me just ask you this. Um, well, just tell us a little bit about your family. Now you referenced it a little bit, right? Tell people about, um, you know, where you live, you know, your family unit and just how was athletics still a part of your life, either as a family, or you kind of hinted on a little bit, how it's kind of impacting your approach just as, as an adult, maybe touch on those a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been really blessed to live in the Fargo, North Dakota area now for the last, well, it's been 13. Okay, I'm going to start that over because this hasn't been 13 years. My son is 14, so it has to be. It's like I refuse to admit. Those dang kids, they grow up on you. I know. I know. <laughs> Call them by the wrong names. You forget what grade they're in. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, um, my husband Ben and I have been fortunate enough to call Fargo home for the last 16 years. Um, it's been wonderful here. Um, ben works um, as the director of project management for a local company here that does precast concrete. Um, they actually did the um, concrete for US Bank Stadium and a couple of the Alliance um, Field right. Alliance, if I'm yep. saying that right, cool. Field. So he gets down to the cities for some of his work too. But, um, and then I actually work for some local nonprofit organizations. I am just um, kind of an independent consultant that they contract to run social media and marketing um, for their nonprofit. So right. it's been a great way for me to balance my time as a mom while still working on my craft. Yeah. And then I have two amazing boys. I have Tommy and Danny. Tommy is 14 years old. He just started his freshman year at Cheyenne high school right. here in West Fargo. Um, he is a three-sport athlete. Um, most importantly, he's a really, really great, nice kid, young man. Um, but he's a three-sport athlete. He does football, basketball, and baseball. Um, I've spent a lot of years coaching him in basketball, which was a lot of fun. Kind of opened some people's eyes around here, too, to how effective female coaches can be. Right. <laughs> we, won, we won some tournaments and turned some heads, awesome. uh, but it was a lot of fun um, over the years, you know, getting to coach him in basketball. Ben coached him in football, um, baseball, watching him play all over the country. And so it's going to be fun to watch him grow. And it's already fun to watch how much he's learned, you know, in dealing with his emotions and in handling and navigating disappointment um, all those things that you have to learn how to do just for life in general that he's already learned to do and has some experience with through his involvement in sports, sure. um, which I know from experience will make things a little easier on him later in life, just yep. having that experience and, and learning. And I think another big one too, is learning to be happy for those around you, right. learning that, Hey, maybe I only had six points that game, but our team won. So I'm going to be happy for our team's victory. And if I have any issues with my individual appointments, I'm going to address that at home with my family and in private. Yep. But when it comes to our time with the team here, our team just won. So we're going to be really happy. So those types of things that are really important and make things easier as you get older, when you have that capacity to be happy for those around you, when things are going well, yep. when maybe for you personally, they aren't going as well. Yep. And um, 
you know, um, it's been fun watching him, him learn that. And then it's just a trip seeing him in high school. Now I remember my freshman year of high school. So vividly it's, it's crazy to think that's what he's doing now. Hmm. Um, but it's going to be really fun to watch him grow up. He's, he's my giant, um, flat foot. He's six foot four (laughs) and he's wearing, he's wearing size 17 shoes. Oh boy. So and he's 14. He'll be 15 in January. And he's really excited because in North Dakota, that's when you get your driver's license. Okay. Okay. My, my joke is North Dakota is like one big farmer's permit. Sure. Remember when the farmer kids got to get oh, their yeah. license when they were 15? Yeah. Molly right. Weber would drive in from the farm and pick me up. It was the greatest. Yeah. Well, North Dakota is all farmer permits. So yeah. they're all 15. But he's really looking forward to that. So it's fun seeing them in an age that I can so vividly remember. Sure. And um, like I said, he's a good jump kid. Shot over that long arm in the driveway. I mean, oh my gosh, it's, it's sure when that's yeah, not. I I know, I know. I I'm not gonna be able to do it. Well, it's he's not in a game or anything, but you know he can dunk, and so yep. that's just like I watched him do that, and it was just really humbling to watch him do something that I spent half of my childhood going to bed at night praying that I would be able to do yeah. someday. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> So, and then my youngest, Danny is 10. He's a fifth grader. He, um, you know, not as big into sports, but is starting to enjoy him a little more. He's, he's kind of like me and just has interests everywhere. Like I was always in choir all through high school. Mr. Warren was a great influence me in high school. We got to travel for national choir competitions too. That was so fun. Um, and you know, different, um, different things like that, but um, yeah, it's just kind of those all encompassing experiences that, that I really look forward to for Tommy to hear, even sure. beyond sports and for Danny, as I said, he's really, he'll probably be more of maybe a choir buff, but now he just started, um, padded football this year and he loves it. So they find their he's, way. Um, he's not quite as tall as Tommy, maybe, but he's still tall. Okay. Um, maybe he might not be as tall as Tommy is, but he's, he's put together. He plays O-line and D-line. So, so awesome. we've, got, awesome. we've got a long and lanky and we've got a little shorter and stacky, but they're a blast. And like I said, they're good kids. I'm, I'm proud of what they do at, at school and, and, um, and, and how they make others feel. Yeah. Um, well, people so, love to hear that update just on kind of where, where you are and, and, and where they're doing it and what they're doing, all that kind of stuff. Let me, let me do this yeah. and ask you for a couple of pieces of advice for the audience. And then I'll give you the, give you the final word if there's anything else you want to share. So you are, you know, you've had an incredible journey as an athlete yourself. You're also now a sports parent yourself. I mean, you've seen athletics mm-hmm. and competitive sports from a million different lenses. Um, if there's a parent or two listening to this and you could give them one piece of advice on being the best sports parent they can be for their own kids, what would it be? This is one of the tough questions, I, by the way. I'm going to give you I all already, the No, I know, I know the answer and I've already alluded to it. Teach your kids how to be happy for other people. Teach your kids how to be happy for other individuals' success. When we have the ability to genuinely appreciate and to genuinely support our teammates or even our competitors, and we show that not only are we exhibiting the ultimate sportsmanship, but guess who's going to be your biggest fan? And guess who's going to cheer the loudest when you succeed? Mm-hmm. Them. 
I love it. So I, I would say that is going to nurture an environment of success. It's going to nurture an environment where your child um, understands that it's okay when they don't have the best, when they're not the best. Um, and then it's also going to nurture the fact that once your child, when your child does succeed, everyone around them is going to be happy and excited about it because they're going to show the same happiness and excitement that you and your child showed for them. That's how you build community. Awesome. That's how you build a team. That's how you build camaraderie. That's how you build trust. Mm -hmm. When you show people that you're genuinely happy for their success and then the love and the happiness that comes back when you succeed is bigger and better than you could yeah. ever imagine because you're getting back all that you gave. Okay. And there's just so much, I, I feel like a lot of parent-child discussion should really be, yes, here's what you could do better, but look what that kid did today. That was great. That was awesome. You know, pointing out the positives in others rather than the negatives in the individual mm -hmm. um, can be really helpful in that aspect too. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay. got to be able to be happy for other people. I love it. So you've all life better too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you've played for dozens and dozens of coaches in a wide variety of environments. Same question, different audience. So you've got a high school coach listening to this, right? After all of those experiences, if you could give a high school coach today, one piece of advice, what would it be? I think to one thing that I always had, and I noticed this, we were volunteering, working the concession stand for our, our son's high school football team. And it was the varsity basketball coach that was in the concession stand with us. And I gave him a, a compliment. And I said, you know, what I like is that all your kids are very respectful and they listen to you, but they're all having a blast. They're all very comfortable being themselves. And I would say that to the high school coaches is that this is just such an important um, part of that, you know, that ninth through 12th grade is such a development time um, where, where kids are learning to be themselves and learning to be comfortable enough to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And as someone who was always high energy, you know, adding in the humor, you could usually hear me before you saw me, you know, as someone like that, um, I never had any of that taken away from me. I was always encouraged to be myself. I never felt like I had to kind of be quiet and in this box and fit in this. Um, okay, you can be this great athlete, but then you also have to be, you know, you know, seen and not heard, um, or you need to act a certain way. I was, it, there was never an opportunity where I was not fully allowed to be myself. Okay. And I think that for coaches, you can still very much have um, authority. You can still very much um, express your leadership and have kids that respect, admire, and would go to the moon and back for you. But at all that, you can still be allowing them to be comfortable to be themselves and allowing them that if they are higher energy, okay, I'm going to be a little patient. I'm going to be patient with Erin Diddy. She's high energy. We're going to let her get it out of her system. And then every once in a while, we'll just remind her that we're, you know, we need to hold it down a little bit. <laughs> but um, that was important for me um, because what I was doing wasn't necessarily what all my friends were doing. I had really good friends that were teammates, but I also had really, I have a really close knit group of girlfriends that weren't my teammates. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we weren't all doing the same things. We weren't all going through the same things. We weren't all experiencing, 
you know, positives at the same time. I experienced negatives too. You know, I, I'll say this. I walked into Tartan High School one time, junior year, and there was a poster on their cafeteria wall, huge. It said, rip the Raiders. And then it was a drawing of me. And they had ripped off my head. They had ripped off my arms. And they had ripped off my legs. Jeez, <laughs> it was number 22. It was number 22. She had the ponytail on top of her head and everything. <laughs> and that, and it did hurt my feelings because I'm, I'm a woo. I like to win people over. <laughs> I loved having, you know, super competitive, but still wanted to be able to shake hands at the end of the game and be friends. Yeah. And so, yeah, it stung. And I remember my teammates getting really quiet too. And they looked upset. <laughs> but no one really said anything and it was a huge game and tartan was really good so i told my son you know i saw that poster i'm like you know what i said he said what i said nothing i scored 27 points <laughs> leslie miller scored 23 rachel ruder scored 21 that's what you my said. teammates <laughs> my teammates were really mad too don't forget about the emotional support too yep. i had amazing emotional support. I didn't always handle everything. Great. Right. I didn't always handle the pressure. Great. Mm -hmm. I didn't that night. I scored 27 points, but I would go into other schools and there was drawings about me too. But you got coaches that, stories for you. you got coaches that booed you through it. I think you framed it well. In oh my gosh. You didn't. That's what, so, Hey, last, Coach, last one of these in this thread to the athletes themselves then, right? Let's say you got a 16, 17 year old kid, sophomore, junior, whatever it might be. They're listening. I know it's hard to pare it down to one thing, but you know, but if you could leave them with one thought or one piece of advice, what would you tell the athlete? Kind of simple, but keep that growth mindset. If you really love what you're doing, don't, you know, don't be okay with the status quo. Don't be um, complacent. Keep pushing yourself. Keep going and seeing what you can accomplish because oftentimes, you know, that repetition and that practice creates results and you know that muscle memory that takes over when we don't even think we're going to be able to do something all of a sudden we do it yeah i literally hit free throws at Williams arena where i could see my hand shaking before i shot it mm -hmm. and if you would have asked me i would have guessed i missed it but i didn't i made it and you know it's that you miss 100 of the shots you don't take <laughs> go out there and swing it's so cliche but it's so true. You're not going to have times in your life where you can try things just for the heck of trying new things. There's not going to be many times in your life where, you know, you're going to be able to go play a sport and um, then be able to go home in the evening, relax, wake up, just go to school the next day and kind of do the whole thing again. Yeah. Um, there's different, you know, responsibilities that come up later in life, but if you keep that growth mindset and you, you remember that a loss is not a deficit, it's really going to pay off and, you know, pay off huge for you in the future because what we learn in loss, what we learn in defeat is, is so, so important because that's what catapults us to victory in the future. And if you keep that in mind, if you're not afraid to, I'm not afraid to fail not afraid to fail because even in mistakes even in failure our brain grows we learn from it and then we perform next time mm -hmm. so keeping that growth mindset and then you know not staying not being complacent keep pushing yourself you have no idea what you can accomplish yeah. and then just remember it's got to be fun it does it's got to be fun and if it isn't find something that is mm -hmm. and um 
And it's amazing what we can accomplish when we not only work hard, but when we're doing something that we're passionate about. No doubt. As the limit. Yeah, absolutely. As the limit. I love it. Well, so final, final, uh, final op before we wrap up is just to give you the mic for anything that may have popped in your mind that you want to share. It's really fun, I think, for people to have a chance to dial back into this, right? I mean, 15 varsity seasons, you've got multiple state tournament experiences across all three of your sports, right? You've got buckets full of all conference and all Metro and, and all state awards and a really awesome collegiate career that we'll get into on a different conversation. But um, it's just super fun to reconnect with you a little bit, let people walk back through some of these experiences, yet hear some things they probably didn't know and, um, and hear what you're up to now, which is great. So anything else you want to share, you got the mic for the last minute. I'll give it to you. I would just say what a blessing it was to grow up in the Hastings community. I even, I almost got a little choked up a few times here talking about certain people today that just, you know, shaped and molded who I became. And I, I barely even talked about a, a fourth of the people that I could have. Sure. And um, it's just, it was nice to have the opportunity to kind of say, thank you. <laughs> I, you know, not many people, or I don't know how many people will listen to this, but anyone who is listening will go walk away knowing that I'm extremely grateful to have been a Hastings Raider. And extremely grateful to have grown up in a community like Hastings, which is really a community not really paralleled by many other places in Minnesota, especially in that, you know, Twin Cities metro area when you already have that small town feel when you're really not in a small town. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would just say thank you to anyone listening that, you know, was a part of my journey and was patient with me when, <laughs> when I was a kid. Absolutely. And, um, and just helped, you know, shape me into who I am. And, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a much better version of myself than I was at 18. And I know at 62, I'll be a much better version of myself than I am not at 42, but nothing will ever change, you know, the time and the people that I met when I was in Hastings. And I would just say to any, you know, any kids listening and just realize you've got it, you've got something pretty special there. This has just been a just a treat to talk about this and to think back. And I know I'm going to get off and think of 10 other people I should have mentioned. Yep, you um, will. That's how it but, works. Um, but it sure is. But I just appreciate the opportunity. And yeah. um, I will always be a Hastings Raider. And I'll always be extremely proud of that.